good evening and welcome back to another episode of the Sleep with Josh podcast. It's the podcast where you sleep, well, with Josh. I am your host and a comedian. Josh Young. In every episode, I read various pieces of literature in my trademark monotone voice to help you drift off to sleep. Literature like the dictionary, laws, various manuals, the different terms of services that everyone agrees to, but never really reads, and other random, boring ideas. Today was the fifth day of Christmas, and in the Christmas Carol, the 12 days of Christmas, today is the day five golden rings or five gold rings are gifted to you by your true love I thought it would be appropriate then to read the fairy tale the magic ring from the yellow fairy book edited by Andrew Lang in 1906. Hey, if you find yourself enjoying this experience, please follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone, and I mean everyone, you know that you sleep with Josh. Because at the end of the day, the more people that sleep with Josh, the better. You can also follow me, Josh Young, on all social media platforms at Josh Young Comedy. That's J-O-S-H-Y-A-N-G Comedy. Now sit back, close your eyes, and think of golden rings dancing over your head. And then in the darkness, bind them. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you'll you'll get that reference. But hey, you'll still get tired of this podcast. Guaranteed. The Magic Ring from the Yellow Fairy Book Edited by Andrew Lang 
the magic ring. Once upon a time, there lived an old couple who had one son called Martin. Now, when the old man's time had come, he stretched himself out on his bed and died, though all his life long he had toiled and moiled. He only left his widow and son two hundred florins. The old woman determined to put by the money for a rainy day. But alas, the rainy day was close at hand, for their meal was all consumed. And who is prepared to face starvation with 200 florins at their disposal? So the old woman counted out a hundred of her florins, and giving them to Martin, told him to go into town and lay in a store of meal for a year. So Martin started off for the town. When he reached the meat market, he found the whole place in turmoil and a great noise of angry voices and barking of dogs. Mixing in the crowd, he noticed a staghound which the butchers had caught and tied to a post and which was being flogged in a merciless manner. Overcome with pity, Martin spoke to the butchers, saying, Friends, why are you beating the poor dog so cruelly? We have every right to beat him, they replied. He has just devoured a newly killed pig. Leave off beating him, said Martin, and sell him to me instead. If you choose to buy him, answered the butchers derisively, but for such a treasure we won't take a penny less than a hundred florins. A hundred, exclaimed Martin. Well, so be it, if you will not take less. And taking the money out of his pocket, he handed it over in exchange for the dog, whose name was Shirka. When Martin got home, his mother met him with the question, Well, what have you bought? Shirka, the dog, replied Martin, pointing to his new possession. Whereupon his mother became very angry and abused him roundly. He ought to be ashamed of himself, 
when there was scarcely a handful of meal in the house to have spent the money on a useless brute like that. On the following day, she sent him back to town saying, Here, take our last hundred florins and buy provisions with them. I've just emptied the last grains of meal out of the chest and baked a bannock, but it won't last over tomorrow. Just as Martin was entering the town, he met a rough-looking peasant who was dragging a cat after him by a string which was fastened around the poor beast's neck. Stop, cried Martin. Where are you dragging that poor cat? I mean to drown him, was the answer. What harm has the poor beast done, said Martin. It has just killed a goose, replied the peasant. Don't drown him. Sell him to me instead, begged Martin. Not for a hundred florins, was the answer. Surely for a hundred florins you'll sell it said Martin. See, here is the money. And, so saying, he handed him the hundred florins, which the peasant pocketed, and Martin took possession of the cat, which was called Waska. When he reached home, his mother greeted him with the question, Well, what have you brought back? I have brought this cat, Waska, answered Martin. And what besides? I had no money over to buy anything else with, replied Martin. You useless ne'er-do-well exclaimed his mother in a great passion. Leave the house at once and go and beg your bread among strangers. And as Martin did not dare contradict her, he called Shirka and Waska and started off with them to the nearest village in search of work. On the way, he met a rich peasant who asked him where he was going. I want to go get work as a day laborer, he answered. Come along with me then. But I must tell you, I engage my laborers without wages. If you serve me faithfully for a year, I promise you, it shall be for your advantage. So Martin consented, and for a year he worked diligently and served his master faithfully, not sparing himself in any way. When the day of reckoning had come, the peasant led him into a barn, and pointing to two full sacks, 
said, Take whichever of these you choose. Martin examined the contents of the sacks, and seeing that one was full of silver and the other of sand, he said to himself, There must be some trick about this. I had better take the sand. And throwing the sack over his shoulders, he started out into the world in search of fresh work. He reached a great gloomy wood. In the middle of the wood, he came upon a meadow where a fire was burning. And in the midst of the fire, surrounded by flames, was a lovely damsel more beautiful than anything Martin had ever seen. And when she saw him, she called to him. Martin, if you would win happiness, save my life. Extinguish the flames with the sand that you earned in payment of your faithful service. Truly, thought Martin to himself, it would be more sensible to save a fellow being's life with this sand than to drag it about on one's back, seeing what a weight it is. And forthwith, he lowered the sack from his shoulders and emptied its contents on the flames. And instantly, the fire was extinguished. But at the same moment, lo, and behold, the lovely damsel turned into a serpent and, darting upon him, coiled itself round his neck and whispered lovingly in his ear, Do not be afraid of me, Martin. I love you and will go with you through the world. But first, you must follow me boldly into my father's kingdom underneath the earth and when we get there remember this he will offer you gold and silver and dazzling gems but do not touch them ask him instead for the ring which he wears on his little finger for in that ring lies a magic power you have only to throw it from one hand to the other, and at once twelve young men will appear, who will do your bidding, no matter how difficult, in a single night. So they started on their way, and after much wandering, they reached the spot where a great rock rose straight up in the middle of the road. Instantly, the serpent uncoiled itself from his neck, and as it touched the damp earth, it resumed the shape of the lovely damsel. Pointing to the rock, she showed him an opening, just big enough for a man to wriggle through. Passing into it, they entered a long underground passage, which led out onto a wide field, above which spread a blue sky. In the middle of the field stood 
a magnificent castle built out of porphyry with a roof of gold and with glittering battlements. And his beautiful guide told him that this was the palace in which her father lived and reigned over his kingdom in the underworld. Together, they entered the palace and were received by the king with great kindness. Turning to his daughter, he said, My child, I had almost given up the hope of ever seeing you again. Where have you been all these years? My father, she replied, I owe my life to this youth who saved me from a terrible death. Upon which the king turned to Martin with a gracious smile, saying, I will reward your courage by granting you whatever your heart desires. Take as much gold, silver, and precious stones as you choose. I thank you, mighty king, for your gracious offer, answered Martin. But I do not covet either gold, silver, or precious stones. Yet, if you will grant me a favor, give me, I beg, the ring from off the little finger of your royal hand. Every time my eye falls on it, I shall think of your gracious majesty, and when I marry, I shall present it to my bride. So the king took the ring from his finger and gave it to Martin, saying, Take it, good youth, but with it I make one condition. You are never to confide to anyone that this is a magic ring. If you do, you will straightway bring misfortune on yourself. Martin took the ring, and having thanked the king, he set out on the same road by which he had come down into the underworld. When he had regained the upper air, he started for his old home. And having found his mother still living in the old house where he had left her, they settled down together very happily. Well, that was a reading of The Magic Ring, a fairy tale from the Yellow Fairy Book, edited by Andrew Lang in 1906. Congratulations, though. You've just slept with Josh. But if you're still awake and just as confused with the story as I am, please don't forget to follow this podcast on your podcast player of choice and tell everyone you know that you sleep with Josh. Thank you. And good night.